Welcome to Under 30, the podcast series by the Youth Partnership that brings the research results, explores trends in young people's lives and themes relevant for youth policy and practice. This episode is one of the few ones in which we will talk with different authors who contributed to the latest knowledge book on young people, social inclusion and digitalization. My name is Daniusz Grzemny and together with Lana Pasic, we are talking today with two guests who wrote the chapter on power, participation and geographical isolation, exploring the impact of a digital project run with young people in the Scottish Highlands. So we are having John Taylor, who's area youth officers from High Life Highlands, and Anya Johnston, an assistant youth worker in the far north of Scotland, who took part in co-design and development of the Highland project as a young person. Young people who were involved in the project live mainly in the rural areas, located sometimes tens or hundreds kilometers from the nearest town. They often do not have access to a broadband internet. Many of the villages and small settlements are not served by public transport and the only access is by car or in some cases by boat. Young people who live outside the main residential areas and attend school have long journey times to get there. Until summer 2018, John had never understood the term digitalization nor the concept of digital youth work. However, together with the young people, they managed to develop and run an interesting digital project. Enjoy this episode. So today uh, we are exploring the topic of digitalization of uh, youth services and youth work in the Scottish Highlands with John Taylor and Anya Johnston who co-wrote uh, together with another young person chapter for our youth knowledge book on social inclusion, digitalization and young people. I would like to ask uh, Anya and John uh, maybe to share a little bit about their chapter and what is it uh, that they did in, in the Scottish Highlands. I think you would need to take it right back to the beginning. So sort of an understanding of why we done what we done. So in 2018, Scotland, the Scottish government decided that the whole year was going to be dedicated to celebrating young people and themed it Year of Young People. An organisation called Young Scot sort of done held the recruitment for young people to become ambassadors for this year. And from that, there was a group of young people from the Highlands. I personally couldn't meet at the first event due to one of the sort of the many reasons why the Highlands is so restrictive. I think the first event happened in January or February. Um, I had intended on going, woke up that morning and was snowed in. Um, so that's sort of an instant barrier to, to young people in the Highlands is, you know, weather can change very, very quickly. Um, but from the conversations that was held that first day with young people, it was sort of decided that because the Highlands is so vast and we had so many young people from different areas of the Highlands, that the best way for us to interact as a group, to communicate as a group, was to develop some sort of social media project that allowed these groups of young people to come together in a digital space. There was sort of, you know, John would sort of expand on this more, but, you know, there was risks and sort of challenges that that came along with that. Um but as as young people, we decided that that was sort of going to be the best way for us to keep in touch, but to also showcase 
you know, there are young people in the Highlands. This is what we do. We want to participate and this is how we're going to do it. Okay, so just kind of building on from uh, what Anya was talking about, you know, the, the idea and, and uh, the approach that we was going to take sort of well, came from young people, you know, that they was the ones that sort of said, this is what we do, want to do and this is how we want it to work. And it was like, rather than working with a, sort of some pre-established outcomes, it was kind of coming directly from, from the ground upwards that um, young people were articulating, you know, a particular approach that they wanted to use social media to connect with each other, you know, so the ambassadors could, could talk, but also to, to use social media to kind of showcase all the different kind of events that was happening across Highlands, you know. So um, part of that for me was about, well, how do we do that as an organisation? You know, we used to kind of, I guess, using Facebook pages and, and whatnot, but this was something completely different that, that wanted to be tried. And I think for our organisation, I was kind of in the middle there. It was like, okay, this is what young people are saying and this is the direction they want to go. But as an organisation, we'd never kind of worked like that before. And it was like, well, how do we as an organisation get prepared to operate in a way that young people kind of see fit so yeah I suppose part of me was was responsible for for kind of influencing within our organisation and kind of supporting young people you know for our organisation this is the approach that young people wanted to take I suppose my job was just to become an influencer and supporter of, of young people but within our organisation that yeah there were some real challenges in there you know just just how do we do this? You know, there's a real kind of balance to be found between a risk versus innovation, you know, because this was like a, for us, this was a, a I suppose, an innovative approach and uh, had never been tried before. I guess the culture within the UK around young people and social media is quite negative. You know what I mean? There's like a, a, some negative assumptions that are drawn about, you know, the way that young people kind of use um, digital platforms and um, it can be framed in quite a negative way. So it's like, well, how do we kind of, try and change this culture and this outlook that adults can have about young people's kind of internet usage and the way that they kind of use social media to so my job was to kind of try and navigate this this path through all this and kind of be supporters for young people in them saying well this is what we want to do and this is how we want to do it so yeah just going back to what Anya was saying that first meeting in January when the ambassadors all came back to Highland it was just trying to build on that really and try and work our way through and, and um, I didn't really have a clear idea at the beginning of, of how to do that and I suppose it was about me looking out for side for support but also inside for support of people that could help us kind of develop this project together so that was I guess the real starting point for the project. Thank you. And you described it all in the article, actually, how the project came about and, and how it developed, uh, what were the challenges, what you learned from the project, uh, and so on. You're also starting with uh, describing the situation of young people living in the remote areas, which is the Scottish Highlands. Anya, I have a question to you. What is it like to be young in Highlands? I've grown up in the Highlands, so I've never known any difference. So for me, it's just a way of life. Um, but when you go out and you meet other young people, you know, for me, that's the central belt of Scotland. That's, you know, our Edinburgh and our Glasgow, our big cities. You realise that the challenges that they face are just, you know, it's absolutely nothing to us. So they're worried about 
managing to get five miles across the town in the middle of rush hour. Whereas, you know, for me, I'm in the very north of the Scottish Highlands, um, you know, right up on the north coast. My closest city is Inverness, which is 120 miles away. So that's a two and a half hour drive if everything goes well, or it's four hours on a train and a bus. That, and that's if the train or the bus is running, if there hasn't been an issue. And a lot of the young people that I volunteer with and that I've worked with, rurality is a big barrier to them. They've got to heavily rely, particularly the younger ones, on parents or adults, ensuring that they can get them to places. We have sort of a cost implication of things. You know, if we want to attend an event in, in Inverness or, you know, it's normally Glasgow or Edinburgh, which if you come from where, where I am, that's, that's a six hour drive away. There's huge cost implications just in travel and you're, you're going to have to find accommodation, particularly if you're going to the central belt, because that's not a trip you can do in a day. I, I personally love it. You know, there's all the challenges around it, but I think what it does is it builds stronger and more resilient young people because we physically got to stop and think in advance, how am I going to get there? How am I going to achieve? It's not as simple as walking, you know, 50 metres from your door and jumping on the closest bus or jumping on the closest train. The The challenges that we face, if you explain that to someone in a city, there's no understanding at all. And it's just so difficult. I just want to ask about the youth services, Anya, as well, about because, you know, about youth work, how it's provided in, is it provided? Apparently there, there is uh, a possibility to, to use the youth services. So what, what does it look like in, in the Highlands? It's quite sort of, if you think about it in, in High Life Highlands terms, they've got youth provision based in, in all sorts of areas across the Highlands. But that's not enough just to sort of, to cover the vastness of the Highlands. Um, so you've got to take into consideration all the sort of different organisations that, that are available. So, you know, the third sector groups and, and the uniformed youth organisations and what you tend to find is these are, are really, really strong community links and really strong for building the community. A lot of young people I've found actually aren't aware of what youth services are out there. And you, if you speak to young people, you get a typical, like, you know, I live in the Highlands, there's nothing to do. But actually, when you start pointing it out to young people, there's loads for you to do. And maybe turning uh, now to the youth services and, and to John, what are uh, some of your motivations to work with young people? Because uh, we understand uh, that uh, there are a lot of challenges and uh, the need for provision of services is great. And uh, as Anya mentioned, there are already a lot of things that can be done. But then what motivates you to actually work with young people and to think about different ways to engage them in this context? Okay, I think Highland is different from other parts of the UK. I kind of, I'm originally from London. Obviously, there's a huge, you know, concentration of people in a very, very kind of small space, and there's opportunity and experiences on on your doorstep if you live in London and the southeast. You know, but it's very, very different in Highland. You know, there there, there are opportunities and experiences to be had, but they're just very different for those kind of experiences that are afforded to young people in other parts of the UK. Um, and I think that's just it's, it's just the fact of, you know, the, the, the geography plays a huge part in that, in how opportunities are provided in Highland and, and where they're provided. You know, when opportunities are provided in Highland, they're predominantly around the larger 
we're predominantly kind of Inverness based, which is obviously the it's the capital of Highland. And when I talk about a capital city, you know, it's it's, it's about sixty five thousand people sort of concentrated in a, in a in a small area. So for the youth service itself, it's predominantly kind of centered around where every high school is in Highland and there's there's 29 high schools in Highland so what you'll find is for our youth service there's a at least a youth worker and a small youth work team kind of connected to, or in and around that school community but I think there's also something slightly different about Highland and this is just goes you know strikes at the heart of the geography and kind of the experiences of young people that there's hostels there's five hostels across Highland that are attached to to the schools where young people come in essentially for the week and stay over because you know for them to travel to and from home every day is huge huge distances that they would need to travel you know they're just some young people are just in you know live in such small communities you know the opportunities and experiences that that these young people have have got they're very very different there is still poverty out there you know i know with, with highland it looks like an idyllic place it's a beautiful beautiful place but you can't eat the scenery i suppose for the youth service it's about how do we engage with these young people? How do we provide opportunities and support and kind of the richness of the experiences that you would find, say, in other parts of, of the UK? I suppose my motivation and, and the organisation's motivation, I suppose they're quite tied together that that, that we want to make sure that we're providing these positive opportunities for young people to engage in the services that, that I suppose hopefully that we kind of co-create together. You know that young people want to experience, and I think that's probably like a theme that kind of runs through the chapter as well. It's about doing things with young people as well. It's not about doing things to young people. And I think in terms of my own values and ethics as a practitioner, that's kind of the the approach that that I take, and I, I you know I want to take, and I want to work with young people in that kind of frame of reference rather than just being kind of a provider of activities. Let's go back a little bit to the to your to your chapter and also to the project that you are describing and uh, and, and looking at uh, digitalization, social inclusion, and young people, which is the topic of the knowledge book. If you can think of uh, of benefits and and the challenges that actually your project, or using digital tools in youth work, actually brought in the area to young people, to youth services in general, what were the challenges and what were the benefits? I think you need to look, you know, to start, you need to look at what do other organisations do? So as a young person, if you're partnering up with another organisation and you want to access their social media streams, you've got to go through sort of their policies, their organisation rules, and your voice essentially becomes quite filtered. So you will provide something and they will pick at it until it is, you know, sort of represents their organisation. So for us, we wanted something that was unfiltered. It was young voices. So sort of having that that social media platforms that was totally run, you know, by young people. Yes, we had adults in the background that were sort of there in case there was anything, but we had full control. So we had the autonomy to post, you know, what we wanted, when we wanted. John and I have sort of had this conversation over and over with with the other young person that was on the project, you know, there's there's a scariness, you know, there's there's sort of anxiety over that. You know, do young people have the maturity to be provided with this opportunity to be posting on social media? And I'm sure that that's all sort of worries that John had and that the organisation had. But they just stepped up and allowed us to do that. 
So we had this sort of open space and open forum to to post. And the joys of it being digital is we have it on our phones. So there was no being tied down to a laptop or tied down to an event. I know myself in 2018, I was in Germany in July and I got a message from John saying, how's it going on? You know, how's your trip? It would be really great if you could post from Germany what you're getting up to, to showcase that, you know, Highland young people are off on this amazing adventure. As young people, we sort of, we would bounce between each other. So if we had a post and we thought, this could be controversial or this could be taken the wrong way. We would always ensure that it was sort of passed between us um, just to check it, to make sure that there was nothing in there that that we would pick up and go, no, you, you really can't post that. And then we would share it. But the fact that we had these three platforms, we had Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So Facebook, we could really go out and sort of tell a story of what, what young people get up to and what we get up to as individuals. Instagram was great for sort of really showcasing the highlands. Here's the pictures. Here's our scenery. You know, here's what we get up to. Whereas Twitter was really, really great for allowing us access to influencers and politicians, people that young people from the highlands typically do not get access to. Um, and that that's a learning curve as well. You know, you've really got to show your maturity to step up and tweet something where you're tagging in your local politician or your national ministers there's a lot of responsibility that's suddenly placed on your head to do that i find this really interesting in terms of kind of participation and influencing the decision makers and would you say that this project and digitalization actually allowed you to do more of advocacy and uh, youth participation in the highlands i would definitely say it would um before the project came around, I was involved with groups, but I wasn't aware of the youth service, you know, the sort of the statutory youth service that, that High Life Highland provide. So that got me involved. And it also opened my eyes to almost this this whole world that was out there that that I had no idea about, that I've now been able to go out and say to other young people, do you know about this? As young people, we don't have access to our politicians, to our to our influencers, to the people that really can make the decisions for us. So by sort of having this presence that we got online and the following that we built up, we were able to build such a strong voice to say, hey, we are here, we are in the Highlands, please remember us because we really want to be included just as much as the young people that are based in the Central Belt. Thank you. Uh, John, anything to add to it when it comes to benefits and, and challenges? I think that what Anya's just been talking about, you know, and, you know, especially with, I, I guess, certain social media platforms can be really quite powerful, you know, and just sort of building on what Anya was saying there about the ability to influence politicians and stakeholders. It's, it's like essentially bringing these adults into the communities that young people lived. You know, normally you'd never find a politician in a small remote community. So actually for young people to all of a sudden be able to kind of access that person really quite easily using social media, it was never like an intended outcome of the project, but it's kind of like once we started recognising, you know, by sort of tagging people in, that actually they was then starting to have these kind of online conversations. That was like 
to sort of witness that actually happening kind of in real time was quite something we didn't even plan to do that but once we realized that actually there's a thread here that we can pick up and kind of drive drive at it was like let's keep doing it because obviously something's working you know so there were some real kind of strong links formed with a range of kind of politicians and stakeholders and, and just all of a sudden it, it, i guess that that adults started to kind of pay attention, you know, started listening and started to just have, have, have these conversations online with young people, you know, that, that young people would never normally have. So that was one of the real benefits that was completely unintended. And I guess that comes through from, I suppose, the, the way that the project was st- sort of structured but unstructured. And, and young people had so much kind of flexibility in how they wanted to kind of move and shape the, the what they did. Going back to one of the other benefits as well was around participation and I think in youth work we can definitely kind of use language you know that can be really disempowering for people that don't understand youth work you know so I think the general public can just get switched off by some of the language and that we use in the profession if we think about participation if I spoke to my nan about participation she would be going what are you talking about I don't really understand it you know there was kind of like a shift in the way that participation was kind of spoken about and and used I just found that actually once we started using that kind of language that people outside of youth work started to get what we was doing and and they started to understand that the approach we was taking so that was kind of I suppose one of these other kind of unintended outcomes that came from the, the approach as well just the change of language really you know it was such a subtle change but had such a kind of impact in the way that people understood participation and that were outside the youth work fields and that was a really nice thing to kind of witness happening I think as well just one of the other benefits as well and the challenges about you know the, the level of trust that is allowed for young people to do what they want to do you know and I think there's, you know, within the relationships that are formed with young people, you know, it's like, well, how do we build this level of intimacy and trust with young people? One of the key things for me was about sharing a password with young people, you know. I was really nervous about doing that, you know, because not only of the sort of the backdrop of the culture in the UK about sort of safeguarding and kind of how that kind of shakes down, but I suppose that sharing of that password with young people was, I suppose, quite a really bold leap for us because it's like, we've no idea what young people are going to do with this, you know. Are they going to change the password and lock us out of the account? But, you know, that could have been quite easily done, but they didn't. If we want young people to do great things we need to invest in them and it's like kind of investing in that kind of the trust kind of element was really quite key I think it goes back to kind of the risk and innovation you know it's like okay it's a risky thing to do but we can innovate with this but you know by by trusting young people it shows that we care it shows that we're, we're happy for them to have the autonomy and responsibility to kind of to get on and do this yeah and hopefully we'll be in the background if things kind of go wrong to kind of help pick them up so I think that was a kind of a key turning point in the project you know that young people could see that I I was ready to and the organization was ready to go okay we're fully immersed together let's do this it could have gone slightly wrong but it didn't and I think that was a, a really key thing demonstrating to young people that as an organization and a practitioner we care and we trust you to get on. I was uh, thinking about this digital participation, how often we speak of it. Is is it really participation and does it really count? And hearing uh, the story of how actually it really opened the door for young people to interact with politicians for me was really interesting. Considering that this is something that you started in 2018 when digitalization was quite, I wouldn't say new, but it was kind of something that we were 
exploring within the youth work and then the last year really made us all rely on digital tools much more. Do you consider that the digital project that you started in 2018 was kind of an entry point for you to be able to work with young people more during this past challenging year? The work that we did was sort of three years ago and I think it is still just as relevant today as it as it was back then, you know, because there's some of the key themes around values of practice and, and the principles that we use kind of coming through in a digital space as well that are still important. And not necessarily about the, the tools that we're using, but more about the, the, the values of practice that we have, hopefully, are now starting to come through. You need to be where young people are in the spaces that they're occupying. And if you're not in those spaces that young people are occupying, youth work and youth services will just... They'll just disappear and become irrelevant, you know. But I think it's very important that we bring our values into that digital space. And I suppose it is about finding a balance, ultimately, you know. It's not digital and it's not kind of face-to-face. It's like they can coexist side by side and they can work together as a seamless kind of practice where young people intersect in those kind of spaces that they're occupying, you know. So, yeah, I suppose I just see, hopefully, a continuation of the last year. I think what it's done is it almost prepared us for what has happened. You know, so as John sort of mentioned, we've all been thrown into this this digital world and, and everybody's had to upskill quite quickly in in all these sort of different programs and, and sort of technological advances that, you know, they haven't seen before. So use of Teams or Zoom or, you know, even just social media. A lot of people wouldn't use it or didn't understand it or didn't realise its potential. So when that sort of lockdown hit, we were almost sort of prepared. We knew that we could do it um, and we knew that we had the knowledge to go out and support others to deliver that. And that isn't even just sort of through employment, through, you know, voluntary organisations that that you work with or you support. Um helping them to suddenly start up their service and think a little bit differently. How do we go from delivering a totally face-to-face programme to providing something that is still as engaging online that really grips young people's attention? And that's not easy. And, you know, everybody's had sort of moments going through the why am I doing this? You know, young people are getting bored of it. I'm getting bored of it. But the perseverance has sort of, has really helped of you know okay this week we've only got two young people let's stop reflect what we've done let's you know find out really what they want and start again in a couple of weeks time so it really just sort of helped you know the thinking was already there and you've been able to pass on that knowledge to help other people think how can I do this Thanks, Sanya. I think uh, what you said uh, reflects quite well what all of us are thinking at certain phases of our work as to how relevant are we and uh, uh, are we really doing enough and is everybody tired of it? Thank you, Anya. Thank you, John. Power, participation and geographical isolation. This is the title of the article that we, of course, encourage our listeners to read and you can find it in... uh, Youth Partnership Knowledge Book on Young People, Social Inclusion and uh, Digitalization. That's all for today. Thanks a lot.